am Janet Dewart Bell, the founder and president of LEAD Intergenerational Solutions. LEAD advances democracy and social justice by promoting democratic principles and leadership from an intergenerational lens. LEAD builds on the wisdom, experience, energy, and perspectives of diverse leaders and activists in the fight for America's future. The Leading Justice podcast will tackle the most challenging issues of the day through provocative and informative discussions with singular guests who make a difference in the fight for freedom in America and the world. Securing a just and equitable future requires courage, commitment, compassion, vision, and hope. Those elements are the themes of the Leading Justice podcast. Gloria Steinem is more than the sum of her parts. A writer, lecturer, political activist, and feminist whose intersectional work continues to have extraordinary impacts on America and the world. Among her landmark achievements, she co-founded Ms. Magazine and the Ms. Foundation for Women, the Women's Media Center, the Women's Action Alliance, the National Women's Political Caucus, and Choice USA. Her numerous honors include the Presidential Medal of Freedom. At 88, her lifetime of service personifies living history. However, she remains focused on the future. The elimination of sexism, racism, and discrimination of all kinds. There is no one who is more transformative in my life and in the life of others than Gloria Steinem. So uh, I am absolutely thrilled and grateful for you to take the time to I'm, talk with me I'm today. thrilled and grateful, but movements are about masses of people moving, and what I do is a contagion from other people. So I don't feel like it's individualized in, in some way. Yes, and, and and I know you feel that, and you and you believe that deeply. But there are people who are called by movements like Martin Luther King, and and who also spark movements. They have that dual purpose. What do you think it means to be a feminist in the twenty first century? It's it's a little hard to say because I suspect in each person's life there's a different expression of it. Uh, we shouldn't even need the term feminist, actually. <laughs> we shouldn't need uh, qualifying adjectives by race, by class, by sex. But because we have them, feminist is a way of saying uh, that uh, we, and a man, of course, men can be feminist too, as we know, is is a way of saying that we are all human beings, regardless of gender and regardless of race. How did you come to that understanding? Um, I think I had it as a little girl. Don't you think you 
kind of understood it when you were young and then all I did the... I did not so don't give me that credit. <laughs> well, no no, but I mean I just think there was a moment in childhood when we understood people were people and they came in different colors like flowers. I remember my mother telling me that. <laughs> right. Uh yes. and and then you see the structures of the world and you see that our congress even now looks nothing like the country. Mhm. Uh, you know the country is is at least fifty percent people of color, and certainly fifty percent women. And Congress doesn't look like that. So you you began to I began to to question why. Um, and at first, because I was a writer, a journalist, I just was writing about it. And then, of course, at a certain point, you, you have to actually do something besides <laughs> besides write about it. So after New York Magazine started and and I had a column of my own and I, you know, um, I got invitations to speak. I had become a writer, so I didn't have to talk in public. I didn't want to do it, (laughs) but I realized it was important to do. So I asked my friend Dorothy Pittman Hughes, who was then running a child care center on the West Side, um, who was fearless (laughs) <laughs> if if she would do it with me. And she said, okay. So then it accidentally turned out that there we were, one black woman, one white woman together traveling, which turned out to be a good thing because obviously our audiences were different together than they would have been probably individually. And I remember that iconic first photo and then the recent anniversary photo of the two of you with, with Ray's fists up. Yes, yes. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes, and both of you... and came to the very first, I have to say this, Derek Bell Lecture, which uh, we now, last year was the 26th. Yes, Derek because Bell we always race. knew we were learning from him. Right. right. And he always knew he was learning from you. done to get younger generations engaged in the struggle for women's rights? You know, I think, uh, you know, it's hard to generalize about a whole diverse generation, but I think that young people do, you know, the, the single thing that even young children say all over the world is something like, it's not fair, you are not the boss of me. Right. And I think that's that's kind of in us. And I think it's Mm -hmm. in in young people, too. Our role is probably just to encourage them because they see things that we don't. And they may feel that they won't get a job or they won't get a scholarship or they won't get, you know, something of that sort of establishment uh, if if they act. So they may need our support. But I, I find it utterly present in young people. I was just uh, online <clears throat> with a whole class full of uh, young people in England, and there they are, you know, <laughs> fighting the same battles. Uh, which same battles? Tell me. To try to make the, their own government, whether it's their township or the country at large, m- more responsive to what people need. They, they see 
the economic stratification, especially now with COVID, they also see uh, who is vulnerable to it, who is getting health care and who isn't. You know, they're quite aware of that. Mm-hmm. So the the question of, of how to incrementally make that more just and accurate is is very much with them. What are the most important leadership lessons you have learned or that you would say to to these young people, for instance? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Because I don't I'm I don't think they're exactly leadership lessons, though they are that too. I I would say there's a kind of organic democracy if you remember to listen as much as you talk hmm. and talk as much as you listen. Now, for some people, perhaps especially for women more than men, talking as much as you listen, since we were raised to be good listeners, uh, can be just as difficult. But if for everybody, it's 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 a pretty good rule. Uh, another one I would say is if if the group that's making the decision doesn't look like the group that's going to be impacted by the decision, probably, you know, it needs some change. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, they're, they're just, to me and to you, I think they're just kind of commonsensical. But because we have a more hierarchical system with Congress that still doesn't look like the country, you know, with huge economic uh, polarization. We have to keep reminding ourselves and each other, and that's what a movement is, really. It's, it's a place to find uh, support and ideas and other people who are also interested in changing what's going on. How do you sustain your energy and your, your commitment, your involvement in these movements. Are you kidding me? Everything else is boring compared. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, right. And 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 it's important as I was saying cuz we are communal animals. It's mm-hmm. important that that we not get isolated. Mm-hmm. That we, you know, talk to each other and whether it's Zoom or sitting here or whatever it is that that we have some mutual support. I think that what you what you just said about everything else was boring is that 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 to me is almost a rallying cry for for young people that um, I know that when I talk to my students and they're always fascinated that uh, uh, that I was born in 1946 and that I'm still doing these doing certain kinds of things. do you see as your major accomplishments, your lifetime major accomplishments? Oh, you know, I think that's for other people to say. Okay. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I guess I would just say that hope people might think that I tried to make the world a little more kind and just than it was when I showed up. What President Obama said when you got the Presidential Medal of Freedom 
that was a, a, a moment when a long overdue moment. And I know I personally know how modest and kind you are and that I would the um, I think others would say a lot more than you and I and also know that that you have used your celebrity and frankly notoriety for the for the good for the good of other people that that's not something well it's you've ever you know done because i'm i'm what in the 1930s they used to call a media worker <laughs> you know and you too i mean we work in the media so it it does mean that we ourselves are more likely identified but it also means we have like a little printing press in a way mm-hmm. that that we can get things out there and help make the invisible visible but i was so honored and I wouldn't have been honored if it was a different president mm-hmm. than Obama. But because it was Obama, <laughs> uh, it was a huge honor. Is there anything else in terms of media, since we talked about media, I know you're, you, along with uh, Jane Fond and Robin Morgan, are the founders of the Women's Media Center, which, in full disclosure, I now, I now chair, thanks to Gloria Steinem, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, recommended that I do that. But the Women's Media Center has has such an important role to play. And maybe you could say a little bit about why you founded, I know why, but say a little bit why you founded the Women's Media Center and what you hope that the Women's Media Center, what it has done and what you hope that it will do. We, um, I think we're sitting at a breakfast table one day, you know, with Robin and Jane and so saying, you know, how can we make the news look more like reality? Um, you know, as I was saying, it doesn't, uh, the news doesn't usually represent people of color to the degree that they are present and making news, and it doesn't usually reflect female human beings. To, so what could we do about that? And we had been, uh, all of us had been railing away at the media uh, and made some progress, But we thought perhaps creating the news ourselves so that there would not only be stories that might not otherwise be in the news, but also um, there would be people to interview on, 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 on women, diverse women to interview on current issues. Mm-hmm. So on the Women's Media Center, you see, you know, every few days, there's a, a list of women that, that the rest of the media can contact to interview. book, My Life on the Road, where you talked about uh, the promise you made to the doctor. I graduated from college, Smith College. I was engaged and trying not to get married. (laughs) (laughs) Because you didn't want to change your name? No, I I just, you know, it's not quite fair to the way we see marriage now. But then once you married, your life really was pretty much the same as your husband's Mm -hmm. life. And I knew that I wasn't ready to do that. So as a rather um, drastic means of uh, not doing that, (laughs) 
I uh, went to India, a country to which I had been drawn for a lot of reasons in my life. But in any case, I decided to go to India. Um, And I decided abruptly in order to break my engagement. So I ended up in London awaiting my visa, which given the vicissitudes of the Indian government took like three months (laughs) to come. And in the meantime, I realized I was pregnant. Abortion was not legal then in England or indeed in France or anywhere else. You know, I really didn't know what to do. I had all the fantasies of, you know, throwing myself downstairs, riding horseback, you know, all these, right, that many women have had since, I mean, actually one in three American women has needed an abortion at some time in her Mm -hmm. life. So it's not, I, I didn't know at the time, but it's certainly not an uncommon experience. So finally, in this little crazy room that I had rented, I looked at the phone book and I went to the nearest doctor, and uh, he listened to me, and he said he would send me to, he sent me actually to a woman doctor who actually did the abortion, Uh, but you needed two doctor's signatures to have this procedure, so definitely he was taking a big risk too. So he said that he he would do this. He would sign and he would send me to this woman doctor. But I had to uh, promise him uh, two things. One, that I would never tell anyone his name. And two, that I would do what I wanted to do with my life. So all these many years later, uh, you know, I, I, I said that at the beginning of, I explained that at the beginning of a book. Is there anything else that we, you would like to say in terms of how sort of the the arc of your life, what is the connective thread to all of those things? Well, I, I, I do think that we are, we each come into this world as, as a unique human being with interests and talents and a combination that has never happened before and will never happen again. And the, so the, um, the purpose for each of us, I think, is to find a way to express those, a positive way that's helpful to other people, and a community at, at the same time. And thanks to you, you're my community, the women's movement is my community, uh, friends in India are my community, you know, I've, I've, I've been able to do that. And I, I've, in terms of, of memory, I don't know, I guess I just would want people to say she made the world a little better than it was when she showed up. How about that? Or a little more just or a little more kind than it was when she showed up. Thank you, Ms. Steinem. Thank you for listening to the Leading Justice Podcast. Please join us next week as we present Andrew Young, the close confidant and partner of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Ambassador Young has a singularly impactful life in advancing justice and freedom in America and the world. Next episode, Ambassador Andrew Young. 
the Leading Justice Podcast.